Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, building a multi-hybrid cloud strategy best practices with special guest Christine McMonagall, Director of Data Center and Cloud Technologies. Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Hey, Christine, you, we go back probably eight years at Intel. Probably. Uh-huh. I think I met you the first time at a show, probably HPE Explore, one of, one of the events back there. And uh, um, yeah, maybe a VMworld or an HPE or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we were on the show floor and talked for hours at the booth, you know, in between you know, rushes of people coming in. We had a fun time. And when I heard about this project you're working on, I said, we've got to talk to Christine. This would be wonderful. But I know you, but my guests do not. So, Christine, tell tell my guests a little bit about yourself and your background. Yeah, Christine McMonagall. I've been at Intel for many, many years. I've been on the data center side of the business since 2010. And I've been working on storage, hyper-converged infrastructure, kind of evolved into more of a hybrid cloud focus. And I work with a number of our key software partners to help them take advantage of Intel technologies and then um, promote those technologies. So where were you before Intel or or has Intel been where you've like grew up, cut your teeth? Oh, wow. I was at a small startup um, based in the Twin Cities that had networking and IO equipment back in the 90s, and then um, went back to school at Cornell for my MBA, and Intel hired me out of that program. Oh, wow. All right. So Mm -hmm. technologist turned MBA? That's right. Sounds familiar. That's what I did, too. (laughs) That's what I did, too. Yeah, when I learned that no one knows how to manage and control software engineers, I decided to go learn um, how to do that with my MBA, and I still don't know how. Um, <laughs> I'm a software engineer too. I'm not controllable. Everyone knows that. So, so Christine, we talked. We talked. This is this is the first podcast in a series of five podcasts um, that we're going to do on multi-hybrid cloud, mm-hmm. on best practices, and, and multi-cloud models. Why? Why are we doing this? You know, we we recognize that um, technology providers, CXOs, IT decision makers, they're still facing a lot of challenges as they modernize their infrastructure, move to cloud, bring in new technologies like AI, consider how to use the edge, all of these things. And while we've had some, you know, good guidance in the past, we felt it was really time to update that and um, and really see how we could help our partners and our customers better um, make use of their infrastructure and, um, you know, get the most that they can as they're addressing business challenges, anything from, you know, improving their customer experience, lowering costs, um, improving security, supporting their, you know, continued remote workforce, et cetera. And um, and that's really what transformation is all about. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the landscape today compared to just five years ago, completely right. different. Right? Very true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned two of the biggest ones, remote work, 
uh, the pandemic, yeah. pandemic changed everything. And the other one, which is very new, which is only six, eight months old now, is the birth of generative AI. That's right. Uh, so big, big changes. Um, so wh why does Intel think that they have anything to say about this stuff? We just produce chips. <laughs> well, actually, Intel's a lot more than just a chip producer, as you well know. Well, I do. Um, you know, we have 15,000 software engineers, for example, right? And, you know, we really try to work closely with the ecosystem, whether that's on driving new technology standards that make interoperability real, to, you know, collaborating with our software partners to help our technologies improve the software experience that they're delivering to customers. And um, all of that is, is really part of what we're doing to drive transformation in the industry. And ultimately, you know, our mission is to make the world a better place. Well, I'm glad you brought those things up because I leverage all that stuff in my own work because um, mm -hmm. I don't work with the software vendors as much as I work with the end users. And I'm like a matchmaker or I call myself sometimes a technology therapist. Right? <laughs> I sit I like down that. with other CIOs. So when we talk about best practices in adopting multi-hybrid cloud architectures or multi-hybrid cloud models, operating models, we have a lot of experience because we work with a lot of customers and the vendors that are supplying uh, these tools uh, to help them with this adoption. So um, I love that you guys came up with this idea for um, this series because uh, a lot of my listeners are in the throes of all this today. So I think this is wonderful. Very good. And I'm glad that you were willing to partner with us to get the word out and utilize your podcast, which which has been a longstanding and and uh, valuable asset to the community to help us provide this guidance and and share some expertise. Well, great. Well, thanks. You know, buttering up the host always helps. <laughs> it always does, Christy. All right, so let's dive into it. To, right. Today, specifically, we want to talk uh, specifically about the first best practice, uh, which is which is addressing barriers upfront to mitigate risk. All right, I heard two big buzzwords that I learned in MBA school, barriers <laughs> and risk, right? That's Those right, that's right. Ones, right. Yeah, well, you know, people think of, of cloud as a, as a technology modernization, but it's just as much of an organizational modernization, right? Changes to processes and, and how people work and um, and even you know, organizational structure right exactly yeah. mm -hmm. it's really a large change management exercise you know it, it sort of sounds like um consultant buzz speak but in reality it is a lot of change and um and it's something that that people want to plan for up front and set expectations for up front so what what kind of you talked about, I've got to identify the barriers and mitigate risk, right? Yeah. How do I go about doing that? Because this is new. I mean, some of the barriers I can think of would be, I don't know what I don't know. Well, that is actually a lot of the challenge that I think people face as they're modernizing workloads, as they're moving things to more of a cloud operating model. You know, they find that they didn't maybe realize all the dependencies that a workload or application has, 
or all the different people accessing it and utilizing it and how to secure that access. So, you know, really the, the first thing in this addressing barriers up front that people need to think about is what's my visibility into my operations? And do I really understand where apps are running and where the data is stored that supports those apps? And what resources, other resources are used in the data center for that workload and who's accessing the workload? And um, you know, what are the needs for performance or latency or security on that workload? So really getting that visibility upfront into all of those dependencies is both challenging and very critical. Well, this, this is interesting because I've seen some organizations do a lift and shift. Oh, yeah. Right. And they right. don't do the work up front. They have a mandate. I've got to go to um, I, I've got to go to cloud. So I got to get it done. I don't have time to do the pre-work like what you're suggesting. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it ends up being a disaster. Have you seen the same sorts of things? Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, and when you look at even um, surveys of people who've been working in the cloud for a while, this often comes up as one of the big challenges, right? That that they didn't have that visibility, and um, you know maybe we're acting on a cloud-first kind of a mandate, but we really see that evolving now, and people trying to take up a, a more strategic approach to their use of cloud, and you know trying to ensure that they do think through those hurdles or barriers up front, that they do plan out their cloud strategy and expectations up front as well. So I love the I love the term operational visibility. I just love that. How mm -hmm. because you got to see what you're doing today and you don't want to do the same thing in the cloud because it's more expensive. Good point. That's right. The whole reason that you're moving to cloud, right, is to evolve your processes and make them more efficient whether that's cost efficient or more performant or more power efficient, et cetera. And if you try to keep everything the same and just lift and shift it, you may be missing out on some of the benefits that you expected to get from cloud. All right, Christy, that, that's great. Operational visibility, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. What's another tool that I have or another best practice in this identifying barriers and mitigating risk? Yeah. Yeah. Another barrier that um, we recommend people think through is their governance policies as well. You know, policies for how resources are accessed, utilized, where data is stored, you know, uh, things that can really derail an effort with hybrid and multi-cloud are things like inconsistent security models or heterogeneous user policies, you know, diverse array of management tools, all these things increase complexity. And if not at least understood upfront, they can really jeopardize the success of a project that you're trying to use to transform your workload or transform your infrastructure. Okay, you mentioned governance. Anytime I hear governance, I think of bureaucracy. Mm 
<laughs> it's not horrible. No, I don't. I don't mean it that way. Um, you know, I think when when we think bureaucracy, we think government. Government. <laughs> yes, government. But, yeah. And, and maybe but, the two are, are tied together. But what you're talking about has is actually getting rid of some of the bureaucracy. To me, bureaucracy comes about because of exceptions. Uh, it sounds kind of weird. But in my sick mind, yeah. the more bureaucratic you get, it means more people have to make a decision because there's so many different exceptions to a just a standard way of doing things. Um, so what yes. you're talking about with governance is coming up with a simplified. I love how you said complexity really kills. Um, That's these, right. Yeah, uh, understanding where those where the complexity lies today. And then thinking through how to simplify those policies as part of this transformation effort, as part of this hybrid cloud transformation, you know, really trying to, um, you know, avoid these things that have been a drain on efficiency and, and cost, driving up cost in the past. So, you know, um, simplification, um, and putting practices in place that respond to the current conditions as well, whether that's regulatory or, you know, protecting your IP, protecting your customer information, all of those things are really part of that set of simplified policies for governance. Okay, so it, you, you mentioned a lot around governance around data. Mm. Almost everything you said had to do with data. Is, is that really, is this really tying into my, my data governance? Is it my data governance that we're talking about? Or is it beyond just data governance? Um, well, I think data is a huge piece of it. Um, but it also extends to user policies, access controls, um, protecting how users are accessing data <laughs> and workloads in order to mitigate risks and protect that data. Okay, so I can use my governance models as ways to help me mitigate my risks. That's right. That's what I'm hearing. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Uh, th this, this is starting to make uh, sense to me. A lot of what you're talking about reminds me of a course I just took recently on mm. uh, process reengineering. Ah, yes. Right, I which this sounds a lot right. like, right? Exactly. Really, this is part of a process reengineering. You know, all of this uh, migration to cloud operating models, transformation projects, all of this is really process reengineering at its heart. No, no, it, that makes sense. So, so, but anytime as a as an executive, when I was an executive, um, and they said, "Yeah, we need to do process reengineering," I was like, "Oh." Yeah, sounds like something you would dread, right? Yeah. yeah, because it's a lot of work. That's true. Right? So what you're telling me is if I'm doing a cloud, if I'm moving to a cloud or a multi-cloud, I got to do the work up front. It's, it doesn't make sense to do the lift and shift. I think you're going to see limited benefit by simply doing a lift and shift. Now, I'm not implying that every workload needs to be completely re-architected. That's, that's okay. not the case. Um, but really, it's about evolving your policies and workflows 
as part of this transformation, taking advantage of that to make them more efficient and um, transparent in terms of um, how they're visible to the organization and how they're utilized. It also is what enables you to automate those kinds of processes if it's simplified and the workflow is clear. Okay. That this, this makes more sense to me now because I do have some customers that did lift and shift mm-hmm. and they were okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I've had other customers that did a lift and shift and there were hidden, hidden things they did not know about because they didn't uh, yeah. do their work. I mean, not every workflow needs to be, or workload needs to be dramatically modified necessarily. You know, some may be um, good as is or need minimal changes. And um, others may benefit from more dramatic uh, re-architecting and a heavier investment, particularly if they're really critical to the, re- to the organization and your success. So, you know, there's no one standardized approach, but the more that you can understand up front and plan ahead and take advantage of this transformation to simplify, reduce costs, streamline access and controls, automate, all of those things will be a big piece of your success with the cloud. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. All right, I think we beat this one up. Governance makes sense to me. Establishing policies is not just data governance. All right, what else, What next do you have on, on our plate for another best practice? Yeah, the, the third barrier to think through up front is organizational culture and maturity. You know, really trying to prepare the organization for the change that's coming, bringing them along as part of the process getting them to embrace it up front so that there isn't the kind of resistance later. And, you know, also kind of identifying your key players in your organization who are ready to embrace these changes, some new ways of working, some new processes, and making them part of your your critical talent pool for your, you know, your cloud center of excellence, if you will. Gotcha. All right. We know that change is difficult, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. for a lot of organizations. But a lot of times when you're doing a change like this, you identify uh, motivators Mm -hmm. and fear is one of those motivators. What do you, (laughs) well, it is right. I'm afraid Uh of something. Why would I move to the cloud? What do you see as some of the fears that employees have when an organization Mm -hmm. is moving to the cloud? What are some of those things that you've seen in in your experience? Yeah, I think it's, you know, people develop a comfort level with a certain way of doing things, right? And having to change that is, you know, by definition, um, breeds discomfort, at least for a period of time, right? (laughs) And, um, And also, I think people are, you know, fear being left behind or that, as a new operating model, as a new um, process is developed, that they may be out of work as well. So the more that you can do to sort of nurture that talent pool and bring people along, 
the more likely you are to see success. And those same people are going to help identify your barriers, help identify your risks, help mitigate those, and um, and you know help ensure that you will see success from these projects. It's it's interesting when you when you said bring them along, you meant skills training, right? Both skills training and you know just kind of getting them to to see the potential benefits as well as why it needs to happen. You know, people people don't make these changes. Um, you know, I know that there's been a lot of sort of cloud first mandates from top yeah, down there have in the been, past, yeah. but I think people are thinking much more strategically about their use of cloud. You know, I've often heard the term recently cloud smart and yeah. how people are, um, you know, making sure that they have goals defined and clear objectives and, um, the more that you can do to, you know, identify those motivators. And it really all comes back to business challenges that are the core driver of these changes, right? We don't change for change sake, other than these, maybe these tops down mandates, but even those were often driven by cost reduction efforts. But it's today, it's things more like I need to improve my customer experience to be more competitive, or I need to address, you know, uh, business continuity or supply chain chain challenges that I've been facing the last couple of years. Or I see now I'm going to have a continued hybrid workforce and I want to make sure I retain my most talented resources. Um, or I need to address new regulations. Um, so all of these things are sort of the array of business challenges that motivate change. And, you know, once you've decided you need to make that change, that's when you want to think through as much as you can and plan ahead to mitigate the risks. You know, it's interesting that you, you said it because my brain went to change has been difficult in the past. Hmm. But COVID taught us something. IT organizations can move very fast. That's very true. Yes. And very successfully, right? And very I mean, successful. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I, um, I was working with a lot of companies pre-COVID on mm -hmm. their digital transformation, right? I mean, that's what I talk about on my podcast. That's what I help people do. Yes. And we had three-year roadmaps all mapped out. This is what we were going to do. And... Those three-year roadmaps became three-week roadmaps. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And everything yeah. just went. And I was like, why is it that an organization can move that fast when it has to, but in other times it's this bogged down slowness? That, That's and true. I think you hit it. It's discomfort. Yeah, we drag our feet until we're really forced to change by some type of business challenge or an external force or like COVID really requires yeah. us to pivot and act quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fa fascinating. Um, and the cloud smart thing, I, I think that's the right um, strategy. It's the uh, same strategy that we employed in, in some customers that their CEO was cloud first. I read it in CEO, CIO magazine, cloud first, cloud first. No, oh, no. that's called cloud dumb. We want cloud smart. <laughs> Right. Um, so right. I, I get that. That makes sense. 
have you seen as far as organizational structure goes have mm. you seen a change in the way that organizations are structured to handle cloud differently than traditional data center um are, are, are those things that you've seen as well? Yeah, I've, I've seen a few things in that regard. One is this kind of blurring of traditional boundaries between um, silos in an IT organization, right? Between compute and storage and networking and um, even things like legal and, and also between sort of the core operations team and the IT planning team. Now, a lot more blurring of boundaries. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that, you know, as you're rethinking processes, you realize that things cannot be siloed. You really need to be embracing a more agile approach. And, um, and then, you know, you really need to be unifying more of your operations on cloud in order to see the benefit, you know, and, and ultimately people want to move to a more unified operating model, a single management plane and set of tools as much as possible in order to be able to make the most of their resources, whether they're in the public cloud, the private cloud, at the edge, et cetera, in order to really um, maximize the potential of those resources wherever they're placed. And um, having a, a more unified operating model and management plane is, is what gives you that agility. So that sounds like organizational change. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating because right. we didn't talk about technology at all today. <laughs> we'll have to come back and talk about that at another time. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. there are technology places. Um, Christine, like sure. I said, this has been great talking to you. I think mm -hmm. it, uh, talking about the barriers in the risk management upfront on best practices is, is the way to go. Um, can you give us just a brief, just a brief overview of the next podcast that we're seeing coming up in the series? Uh, oh, a teaser. Yes. Let, let's get. Uh, Make sure that people want to come back and hear the other four episodes in the series. Yes. Well, next, we're going to talk about your cloud strategy and operating model, either developing one if you don't have a clear unified strategy and operating model or refining it to take into account new capabilities that you may need to be developing, for example, AI or new resources you need to be making the most of like edge, et cetera. So we're going to talk about defining or refining your cloud strategy and operating model in the next episode. And then okay. after that, we're going to talk about, you know, your portfolio of applications and the best ways to modernize those. We're going to evaluate workload placement factors. And then we're going to talk about, you know, how do you do, how do you address next steps going forward, you know, agile approach and continuous improvement. So that's our plan. All right. I, I, I look forward to, to talking and we have a special guest coming on yes. and then you're going to wrap mm -hmm. this whole thing up in a nice tight bow at the end. Um, so great, Christine, as always, it's wonderful talking to you and welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, 
Give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.